for joining us as we hear an anointed word from Treasure Coast Victory Center. All right, take your Bible this morning. Just go to Acts chapter 19. As I continue to study about the kingdom of God, the ways of the kingdom, the things of the kingdom, the Holy Ghost continually shows me places in my own life where I've been misdirected or guided in the wrong direction or thought life or whatever. So as he shows me those things, he deals with me, and then, of course, I come and, and I get to deal with you. Isn't that nice? It's basically the way it works. So don't ever think that what I'm giving you is not something that I bypassed and just had superior wisdom dropped on me at one time. No, it's something that I've went through and then I've learned and basically I've seen where in my own life. I'll tell you, if, if you're not hooked into the kingdom of God, you're ziplining, but you're ziplining uphill. In other words, when you're in the kingdom, everything seems to get easier when you understand the kingdom. When you're in religion or Christianity, which is practically a religion in a lot of areas of what we've been taught. Basically, it's a fight all the time. You're hanging on that rope, and you want to get to that next plateau, and you're pushing every buzzer, every button, everything you can do to try to get there, and you're sweating, and you're trying, and all at once you go up a little bit, and you feel good, and pat yourself on the back, and then you go right back down. Are you following me? Yes. What, what happens there? There's a, a thing that we try, to, we try to do, and we try to, and I found out in my own life, there's a lot of priorities in my life that had to be switched and changed. In other words, Christianity has prioritized some things that will only take you so far. I mean, they didn't take you to a place basically that was bad. They just took you to a place that wasn't the place. But when you move, you think you got to the place even though you only took one step. Are you... So basically, they did not reject the kingdom of God. Christianity has reduced the kingdom of God to this, to that, to this, to that. And when we do this and that and this and that and it don't work, a lot of times we look at ourselves that we are the problem in this situation and you're never a problem. Your thinking may be a problem. What you've been taught may be a problem. How you're supposed to look at things may be a problem. But you are never a problem to God. You are special to God. You are important to God. God needeth you, praise God. Somebody say, I need God. Well, good, he needs you too, praise God. Hallelujah. Get over yourself. God needs you where you're at right now, the position that you have and the growth that you've come to because he does have a plan and purpose for you right in your own little sphere of where you are. And you're never going to be happy until you find out what that is and start flowing in that. When you do that, the things of this world disappear. In other words, you ain't going to care anymore how much money you got, how many autos you got, how many cars you got, how many houses you got. All that stuff goes by the wayside. When you step into that position, but the problem is when you step into that flow, basically all these things start chasing you down. In other words, finances that you were fussing and fighting for all want to start chasing you down and it starts coming from all directions to a place where it's stuffed together and overflowing, say overflowing. Now, why does there need to be an overflow in every area of your life? Because you are the one on the earth who's going to pour out into other people's life, and you can't do that if you don't have an overflow. Well, overflow so I can start me a big, big barn and a big bank account and this and that. No, that overflow is to flow into other people's lives, to make a difference in other people's lives, to extend the kingdom of God into other people's lives so that people start to understand why they're here, what they're doing. I mean, people are committing suicide all the time. What they Two shootings last night where somebody just they had no reason to live, so they just go around shooting everybody. We've got to get to some of these people. Yes. 
And the answer is not a new government program. It's not more money poured in. The answer is the kingdom of God. You know there's never been a shooting in heaven that I've read in the paper anywhere? (laughs) Angel shoots 32 people because they stole his crown or anything like that. It's not, it's not up there, you understand? It's not going on up there, it's going on down here. We are put here to make a difference in people's lives and to stop some of this stuff. And the only way it's going to be stopped is by people who are in the kingdom of God, who understand the kingdom of God, who get their mind off themselves. And on other people. But religion has taught us that we have nothing. Therefore, basically, we're still trying to get everything from God. We're trying to be good little boys and girls so God blesses us. We're praying so God does something for us. We go to church so God does something for us, not understanding that he's already given you all things that pertain to life and godliness, and you're wasting religious time trying to get things that God gave you freely by the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you could get them yourself, then he might as well stay at home. Why should he die to provide things for you? If you could have got him in your own efforts, he might as well have stayed in heaven. I'm sure if he had a choice, it would have been better than being crucified. But no, no, we've never come out of that religious thinking and that thinking that we got, and it's holding us up from all that God wants to do for us. And basically, the primary focus of Christianity and religion and everything else is basically two things. Get saved, go to heaven. Are you saved? Yeah, going to heaven? Yeah, good, you're set. Congratulations, you're in. How about you? You saved and going to heaven? Good, you're in. That's it, good for you. But when you study Jesus in the four Gospels, he talked about the new birth once. One time, it's the only place he talked about it. And then because he was talking about it as an entrance into the kingdom of God was the only reason why he brought it up. And number two, he doesn't even talk about heaven. He mentions it about twice and it has nothing to do with you going there. It has to do with the new heavens and the new earth and those kind of things, basically. So we've got to change our focus and our main thing from one thing to the kingdom thing, and that opens up so much on the inside. Look at Acts chapter 19. Look at verse 1. And it came to pass that that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coasts, came to Ephesus, and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have you received the... Holy Ghost, since you believed. And they said unto him, We have not even so much as heard whether there be a Holy Ghost. Notice, here's Paul coming to some disciples. He comes to the disciples, and notice what he did not say. Are you born again? Are you going to heaven? Are you sure you're going to heaven? He didn't even address it to these believers. What did he address? Have you received the Holy Ghost? So we got to take for granted the early church. Let's be like the early church. Well, it seems to me the early church promoted the Holy Ghost more than they promoted heaven and being good little boys or bad little boys and all this stuff, where they go and what they do and how they... They never preached works. They preached about someone called the Holy Ghost because the only way you're going to get out of religious works is to get into the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost will lead you out of what the Bible calls dead works. Say dead works. What are dead works? Dead works that I am doing to try to get something from God that he already freely gave me, but I think I've got to do something to get it. Basically, that's the way it is. It's dead works. So notice, Paul comes here. What does Paul say? Have you received the Holy Ghost? And a lot of the songs I heard when I first got saved and went to church were all about going to heaven. What a great day it will be when we get to heaven. There'll be rejoicing in heaven. No more pain, no more suffering. Everything's going to be so great. Hallelujah. Well, I've been saved five years, and I was 35 years old. And how many of you know I didn't want to live in hell 60 years until I died and went to heaven? 
I mean, there had to be something more to it than just heaven, 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 heaven. Are you going to heaven? Are we going to heaven? Are we going to heaven? It's going to be so good there. So I started studying the kingdom of God. I found out that the kingdom operation was available right here on the earth while I was living here on the earth, and I didn't have to die, which was not on the top of my 10 list. In order to get there, in other words, I could start living in a kingdom that I became a citizen of, even though it was in heaven, it's a spiritual kingdom, I could start living that way down here right now because I entered the kingdom of God as a citizen. Say citizen. Now, how many know when you become a citizen of something, you get all the rights that that citizenship brings you. You don't have to do anything to get it. It just comes to you freely. Well, when you entered the kingdom of God, praise God, all these kingdom rights came to you that now belong to you. Healing belongs to you. Joy belongs to you. Peace belongs to you. Power belongs to you. These are all things that were given to you when you entered the kingdom of God. Well, how how are we going to know what we got? Well, we're going to have to read the will and testament, which most people don't. I don't need to read that book. It don't make any sense to me. Well, praise God, find something that does make sense to you. There's plenty of books out there where with teachers and preachers who can open this book up to you if you read their books that will understand you. So Paul says what? Have you received who? The Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. All right, go to Second Peter chapter 1. All right, 2 Peter chapter 1, let's look at verse look at verse 19. We have also a more sure word of prophecy whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto the light that shines in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arises in your heart. Knowing this first that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man but it came by holy men of God who spake as they were moved on by who? The Holy Ghost. So basically this tells us that we have a platform for to springboard into the kingdom, to springboard into the things of God, and that platform is the prophecies of the Old Testament that didn't come from man, they came from who? They came from the Holy Ghost. So we know by the Old Testament and the old prophets that are there that we read about that they're trying to tell us something that will help us in this day and in this hour. So let's go to Isaiah. Isaiah 59. Are you there? All right, Isaiah 59, look at verse 20. And the Redeemer, you know who the Redeemer is. The Redeemer shall come to Zion, and unto them that turn from transgression to Jacob, saith the Lord, as for me, this is the covenant with them, says the Lord, my spirit that is upon thee, and my words which I have put in thy mouth, shall not depart out of thy mouth, nor out of the mouth of thy seed, nor out of the mouth of thy seed, seed, saith the Lord, now and forever. So here's the prophet Isaiah, he's looking to the future, he said, there's a Redeemer coming, I see him now. And when he comes, a couple things are going to happen. First of all, he's going to get that word he's got into your mouth, and he's going to put the spirit 
upon you, and that is going to be my way of operation. That is going to be my way of covenant with you. I'm going to give you the words in your mouth, the spirit upon you, so that you die and go to heaven when the time comes. Know what for? Look at verse chapter 60, verse 1, which chapter 60 shouldn't even be there. Arise, shine, for the light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people, but the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee, and the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and king to the brightness of thy light. What's he talking about? He's saying, what's the new covenant? I'm going to have a people. And this people, I'm going to put my word in their mouth, and I'm going to put my spirit upon them. And in that day of darkness, how many know we're there? Been for years. This people is going to rise up with the spirit of God on them, and they're going to operate in the spirit of God. He says nothing about going to heaven. He says nothing about hanging on of going to heaven. He's prophesying about the spirit of God coming. Until the spirit of God becomes a priority in your life, you will never live in the kingdom of God. You'll never get there. I mean, you'll be in it, but you won't be taking full advantage of it because all these other things you're doing all the time are not it and have to be led by the Spirit rather than by you trying to do religious works. How many know those that are led by the Spirit of God? They are the? But only those that are led by the Spirit of God, right? So notice the Spirit of God is important. He says, this is very important here. What's going to happen? There's going to come a day when a group of people are going to rise and shine and live in the glory. How many know that it also says in another part of the Bible that sooner or later the glory shall fill the entire Hallelujah. The entire earth and the temple. It's going to fill the entire earth. What's he talking about? The spirit of God and the power of God that's coming. Now, this was Isaiah. How many know he didn't have the spirit on the inside of him? He wasn't born again, but he's prophesying into the future. Go to Ezekiel 36. Ezekiel 36. You've got to go to the right. I mean, Ezekiel was a prophet. All right, verse 36, I mean, chapter 36, look at verse 24. He, once again, he's looking to the future. He says, for I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all the countries and will bring you into your own land. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you and you shall be clean from all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. And a new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart of flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in the statutes, and you shall keep my judgments, and you shall do what? Now notice, he didn't say, I'm going to take you out from among the heathens. I'm going to get you born again. I'm going to put a new heart and a new spirit in there. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away, and I'm going to put my spirit on you so you can go to heaven. No, he said, I'm going to place my spirit in you and on you for the power, ability to do what needs to be done basically in the world today. Your priority has to be Holy Ghost priority, not works priority, not things priority, not heaven priority, not any other priority, but the Holy Ghost himself. How many know how often is the Holy Ghost with you? How often are you aware of it? Didn't hear, didn't hear any always, didn't get one always there. Not one always. 
It's a good thing because we've probably known you were a liar, so everybody's afraid to say anything, basically. But notice, this was the emphasis of the Old Testament, not just going to heaven, not just making it to heaven, but the Spirit of God was going to come on the inside, so it's not about, and are you going to heaven? Heaven, 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 heaven. What about now? What about the Spirit of God now? These prophecies are not coming. These prophecies have been fulfilled. The Spirit of God now is on the inside of you, and the Spirit is there to enable you, to help you, to do what needs to be done. So we see Isaiah, what did he prophesy about? Heaven? No, he prophesied about the Spirit of God. What does Ezekiel prophesy? About the Spirit of God living on the inside of you. Go to Joel chapter 2. Once again, Joel the prophet, he's just in touch with the Lord. He gets a word of the Lord. And in verse 27, he says, And you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel, and that I am the Lord your God, and none else, and my people shall never be ashamed. Verse 28, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and take you to heaven once and for all. No, it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also upon your servants, upon the handmaids in those days, I will pour out my spirit. And I will show wonders in the heavens and earth and blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon to blood in that great and terrible day. Hallelujah. What's he talking about? The spirit being what? Poured out on how much flesh? All flesh. Now... We are some of the people, thank God, who the Spirit's been poured out on. But how many know there's a lot of other flesh out there? A lot of flesh out there running around. Don't know anything about the Spirit of God. Don't know anything about the entrance into the kingdom of God. Don't know anything about the kingdom of God. So if you're going to get somebody saved and born and into the kingdom of God, just don't get them born in the kingdom of God and say, congratulations, you're going to heaven and leave them. Why not tell them about what the prophets prophesied? You know, well, they got saved two years ago. I ran into them. They're the same they are. They probably don't even know they got a Holy Ghost. How are they going to be led by him? How are they going to be convicted by him? How are they going to be do anything by him, basically, because they don't know it? So notice, we've got to adjust the kingdom of God is Holy Ghost-centered. It's not heaven-centered. It's not even new birth-centered. It is Holy Ghost-centered. Here he said he had poured out his spirit on how many flesh? All flesh. So Joel, Joel Ezekiel, Isaiah prophesied about a coming Spirit of God who had placed on the inside of everybody who got born again. Now, if you study the old prophets, you know some of them were mean. Some of them fasted all the time and they were hungry all the time. Some of them were grumpy. Some of them might have been having a bad day, praise God. So let's see what Jesus has to say about it. Go to John chapter 7. John chapter 7, look at verse 37. It says, In the last day of that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believes on me, as the scripture has said, will go to heaven the day that they die and live happily ever after. No, he that believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of his shall flow of living water. People say, well, that's stupid. What does that mean? Well, just read the next verse. He tells you, for goodness sakes. Verse 39, but this he spake of the 
spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So notice what's Jesus talking about. He's not talking about heaven. He's not talking about being good little boys or good little girls. He's talking about someone by the name of the Spirit of God or the Holy Ghost who's going to come out of the inside of us. How many of you know if he's going to come out of your belly, there's a good chance he has to be in there? Just an idea. No, there's a Spirit of God on the inside of you like a river who wants to flow out of the inside of you, and he'll flow as you put that word in your mouth at the same time, and you can touch other people's lives around you by the power of the Spirit of God that's already on the inside of you. So here's Jesus, and how many know this didn't take place yet, so this is Jesus looking into the future, saying out of your belly there's going to flow a Spirit of God out of the inside of you that I'm going to give you, and notice it hadn't taken place yet because Jesus had not been glorified. Well, why was it so important for Jesus to be glorified before all this took place? Because Jesus came basically to suffer and die for your sins and to restore to you righteousness, which made you a holy, righteous vessel so that you could once again be possessed by the Spirit of God. Till then, nobody could have the Spirit of God on the inside of them. They were not righteous. And religion has told us for years, you just get a little more righteous and you'll get more Holy Ghost. No, you're already righteous. It's not based on your works. It's based on what he did. Religion always deals with you and your works. Are you doing enough? Are you not doing enough? To me, to me I lived in a life of a question mark. Always wondered whether I went to enough revivals. Felt guilty sometimes when I missed church because I went all the time. I should have been at church last night. I knew it. And then everybody tell me, well, yeah, God's going to punish you for not going to church when you should have been there. So then I thought that God was going to punish our whole family because I didn't go to church. Got so mixed up in all this religious stuff that for five years it had me totally messed up. I'll tell you what, I was better off unsaved. I was drunk half the time. I didn't care if I went to church or not. I didn't care if I did anything. I just did what came natural, praise God. Have a problem? I'll drink it. Have a problem from drinking? Drink more. That's all it was to it. Then all once I get saved and I'm excited and God almost appears to me. He touches me. He delivers me from alcohol. I'm set free and I'm put right back in bondage. Got to do this. Got to do that. Got to do this. Oh, you got to do Did you do that? Have you gone back and, and confessed all your sins to God? How many years do I got left? Think about it. If you had to go back and write down every sin you ever did before you got saved, you'd spend a lot of time with Jesus. I mean, like a list of toilet paper. You just unreal it. And there'd be another one and another one and another one. But all that stuff holds you in bondage. You've got to understand that the, he has already reconciled you to himself by the blood. And all your sins have been thrown into the depths of the sea. And they are all gone. And now you are a brand new species of being that never existed before. And you are in right standing with God. And what did he do? He gave you somebody by the Holy Ghost. What for? Not so he stays in you, but that he flows out of the inside of you. I found out the only time he flows is when I'm aware he's in there. Then he flows out of the inside of you. People say, well, I can't lay hands on the sick and they recover. You can lay hands and you've got somebody in you who can help them recover. Come on. The Bible says he's the same spirit that raised Christ from the... Now, none of us are dead. If he could raise Christ from the dead, what can he do in your physical body? What can he do when you touch someone else? What can he do with the power that's on the inside of you? Well, we just go on trying to be good. Trying to do our best. Can't wait till we get to heaven. Everything's going to be good. Give ourselves a title. That always a pastor, apostle, 
preacher, whatever you want to be, none of those things make any difference anyway when you get right down to it. Do you know that? What matters is what you've got on the inside of you and how you use what you've got on the inside of you. But notice Jesus' focus here was the power of the Holy Ghost that was going to be inside of every single believer. Go to John 14. My first five years of Christianity was totally focused on heaven. Nothing about heaven, about getting to heaven, about staying good enough to get to heaven, about doing good to heaven. When I found the kingdom of God, I found out that all my focus was on was the earth. When I was in religion, it was about going to heaven. But the kingdom taught me I need to impact the earth while I'm here. Completely different. I'm looking up there and God's down here. Why don't you use me? Don't need you up here. You want me to come up there and cast out devils? None up here. Want me to heal the sick? None up here. But I was so heavenly focused on everything because that's what I had been taught and that's what I was telling everybody else that everybody I brought in the kingdom of God had so many problems and I wasn't helping them with their problems at all because I didn't know anything about the kingdom of God or the deliverance that was given to them the day that they got saved. Praise God. If you're in bondage this morning, deliverance has already been provided for you in every single area of your life. It's already there. The only problem is you've been told you're in bondage so long that you believe it. And you agree with it, and you talk it, and you tell everybody, and you're there, and you're stuck in bodies. You can't do that. You've got to come out and understand what he's already did for you. You are put here to impact the earth. Impact your family. Impact your friends. Impact the people around you. I'm in a place where I don't like to work. Impact it. You do what God wants you to do, you own the business before long. There's promotion there for you in the thing, as long as you're doing the kingdom of God first. All right, John chapter 14. Look at verse 16. Notice it's in red. Jesus says, I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you how long? Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it sees him not, neither knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you, and he shall be? Once again, what's Jesus talking about? This is right before he goes to the cross. What's he talking about? The Spirit of God. He's not talking about, I'm going to send salvation so you can go to heaven. I'm going to send you this. I'm going to send you that. He's going to send the Holy Ghost into your life. Jesus' emphasis was on the Holy Ghost. Where the church got off of the Holy Ghost into all these other things, I don't know, praise God. And these aren't bad things we get off into. They're just not the priority. How many know you need priorities in your life? Now, we could go here for about 45 minutes. Because your life is messed up because of your priorities. Your spiritual life, your physical life, your mental life is all messed up because of your priorities or not having any priorities in your life. I just went through the day. I mean, I did this, I did that, I did everything. I didn't feel like I got anything done. You had no priority. You just started this, got about halfway through, then started this, got about halfway through, then ran over here and did this, and at the end of the day, you had this, 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 and nothing completed. Nothing done at all. Why? You had no priority. If you got a priority, you'll do your priority before you start A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and then when at the end of the day, you can at least say, I did my priority. Praise God, I got something done. I feel like I did something today. But because we lack priorities in our life and setting priorities in our life, we may talk about it in a different week. I can't really go there this morning. Praise God. All right, go to John 16. There's priorities that I have in my life every single day. My wife will come home and say, what did you do today? I say, same thing I did yesterday. Why? Because it's a priority. It was one of my priorities that I had to do that day. Prayer is a priority. Reading the word is a priority. 
It's something you do every day. Why do you do it every day? Because it's my priority. And as long as I get that done, then I can go in this direction and get some other stuff done, led after spending time with my priority to get other things done in my life. We want to just run out there in the midst of the world and just try to figure out what's going on. It doesn't work that way. You'll drive yourself nuts. You'll get absolutely nothing done. Stick to your priorities. Well, they're monotonous. No, it's your priority. It's what you need to do every single day to set up the rest of your time and the rest of your day. All right, John chapter 16, look at verse 7. Jesus says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth and nothing but the truth. It is expedient or better for you that I go away. If I go not away, the Holy Ghost will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Another translation says, it is to your advantage. Say advantage. advantage. Say it's my advantage. my advantage. Now, what's your advantage? The Holy Ghost is your advantage in this life down here on earth. That's your advantage, the Holy Ghost. So if you're not paying any attention to the Holy Ghost, if you're just thinking about heaven all the time, if you're just thinking about being good or bad all the time, I'm telling you what, you have no advantage. Your advantage is with the Spirit of God on the inside of you. The Bible says, greater is he that is than he that is in the world. Well, then that's what I want to concentrate on. If I'm going to overcome the world, I need something that gives me advantage over the world, gives me power over the world, and what that is is the Spirit of God that's on the inside of me. Most Christians I run into are praying to get out of here. It's just getting worse and worse. I keep asking God to get me out of here before it gets any worse because I don't want to go through this and I don't want to go through that. If you read John 17, you're going to find out that Jesus prayed we'd stay here. So why would you pray to get out of here when you know his prayer is going to be honored more than yours? (laughs) You ain't got a chance. Jesus is saying, keep him there. You're saying, I want to go. Father said, Jesus' prayer wins. You're there. He said, you don't have to go there. He's keeping us in the world. Why? For the truth is that we have the Spirit of God on the inside of us, and we have an opportunity, praise God, to do our purpose and our plan down here, but it's all based on the Spirit of God who's on the inside of us. Go to Galatians chapter 3. One of your favorite phrases ought to be simply, thank God for the Holy Ghost. Get up in the morning and you're a little tired, you're walking to the bathroom, you're going to brush your teeth, you're going to get ready for work. You might as well look in the mirror and say, thank God for the Holy Ghost. You're driving down the street, traffic's a bear, you're hitting every red light, it's starting to rain. You might as well just say, thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Somebody comes up and screams and shouts at you, and while they're doing it, you're looking them square in the eye, but you're saying, thank God for the Holy Ghost, Father doing it to you. I'll tell you what, it, it keeps you in connection with the Holy Ghost. It keeps you calm. It keeps you easy to make decisions. A lot of times we want to make decisions in the atmosphere of God and you can't do it when you're worried and nervous and, and all this kind of stuff. You just got to stay relaxed. And the Holy Ghost is good at peace and he's good at joy and he's good at handling situations that are in your life. All right, Galatians chapter 3, look at verse 13. Christ has, past tense, redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that is written, that hangeth on a tree. Notice, why did he do that? So we go to heaven, verse 14, that the blessings of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. 
why you're redeemed, so I can live in divine health, so I can live in victory, so I can have all that, yes, but it was so you could receive the Spirit of God who then will teach you to live in divine health, teach you to live in prosperity, teach you to live. We have plenty of tithers in the church. Well, I mean, we don't have as many as we should. Nationwide, I think it's 18% of Christians basically tithe. But you can tithe all you want to, but if you can't manage the money that you've got, there's really going to be no increase for you anyway. That's your first step in managing money is just giving a small portion to God. What am I doing? I'm managing my money to God, acknowledging that it's his money, not my money, and I'm acknowledging that. Well, you still got 90% problem. Because what are you going to do now with the 90%? Well, praise God. We can do anything we want with that. I gave my 10%. We're going to do whatever we want to do. Hallelujah. It doesn't work that way. See, he's still Lord over the 100%. You've just given him the 10%. So what do I want to do? I'm going to learn how to manage my money. So I'm going to read a book by this guy and a book by that guy and a book by the guy on CNN and a book by the guy on NSNBC and a book by the... No, go to the Holy Ghost who's on the inside of you, who knows how to handle your finances, who knows how to invest your money, who knows how to spend your money. And as you do that, you'll get to a place. And people won't like it. Some people will think you're tight when you don't do certain things. No, you're Holy Ghost-led in that area. You're just tight. No, I'm just Holy Ghost. He told me not to go there, and I'm not going there. Praise God. Well, I can go there. Go there. Don't make any difference to me. See, Holy Ghost deals with me, and the Holy Ghost deals with you. You don't have to be my Holy Ghost. I got one. And I praise God that I don't have to be your Holy Ghost. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. No, I don't have to be, thank God, because that would certainly wear you out. See? So we each got our own connection. We each got our own thing. Here's what we're dealing with right here on the inside. But we got to stay in touch with that spirit of God. If not, like I think Ted prophesies more, you can get in your head. And then you get in your head, you make natural decisions. You make natural decisions, you get natural results. And those don't work out. You want supernatural results on the inside of you. And that comes with the spirit of God. All right, go to Luke chapter 24. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost, not just a topic. He's not just a sermon. He's a real life person on the inside of you that you can get to know. Praise God. I can give you a sermon about Vinny, but I'd rather know Vinny. Anybody can give a sermon about the Holy Ghost might not even know him at the time. I'd rather know him and never give a sermon on him. Hallelujah. Hi, Luke chapter 24, are you there? Look at verse 49. Jesus says, and behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power. Say power. Power. Say power. Power. Say power. Power. So here's Jesus saying, hey, here we go. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I'm not going to send you heaven. I'm not going to send you this or that. I'm going to send you the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost is going to come so that you get some power from where? Notice, heavenly power. So when the Holy Ghost came in our lives, we received all the power that we needed to operate in any single area of our life. If you're called by God, if you're running a ministry, whatever you're doing, you better be in touch with the Spirit of God if you're going to be successful in it. Otherwise, you're going to come up with natural things natural ways to do things like people said well I started that and the Lord closed the door well maybe he just you just ran into a door you needed to open 
See, how do you know? I get to a door and it gets hard. Well, that ain't God. Well, is it God or ain't it God? I see a lot of people in the Bible got into some pretty hard things, praise God, and still went through them to get to the other side. So you can't do it just because a door's there or a door's not there or all this thing. You've got to be led by the Holy Ghost in every single area of your life and everything that you do in your life. And mainly, he's going to deal with your character. He's going to deal with your character. You're going to find out that you were a mess. Whenever you open up to him, you're going to find out you were a disaster at one time. The way you thought, the way you handled things, the way you did. I look at some of these people in the world now and I think, how can they be so stew? And I think, my God, I thought that here just 25 years ago. I was just that stupid myself. I can remember having an argument about the same stupid thing. And I was on the wrong side of the thing at that time. So the Spirit of God's coming, and He's changing the way that we think, the changing the way we transform. He's changing the way He's doing things. He's getting our eyes off of ourselves, because that's what religion does. How am I doing? What am I doing? Am I doing enough? Did, did so-and-so see me do it when I did it? So I get a little recognition from, a, you know, I cleaned the toilet. Did anybody see me clean the toilet in there? Is anybody going to talk about it at the sermon today, how I cleaned the toilet? Is anybody going to do this, going to do that? And then when nobody gives you appreciation, you turn right around, and you start judging everybody else. Well, they never cleaned the toilet. I've cleaned it spick and span. Latasha won't even go in the bathroom much. Let's clean the toilet. So she's a bigger, so she's a bigger sinner. Well, I know it's right. I speak truth up here, praise God. <laughs> Maybe that was conviction. Ooh. We know what we're getting you for your next birthday. <laughs> toilet brush. But no, then we get judgmental with everybody else. Why? Because we're not happy living up to our standard. and we're not. So we try to find somebody more unhappy than us. And for some reason, that gives us joy. I'm miserable, but they're really miserable. I feel so good about that. And that's what religion does to us. It just beats you down. It just does. Don't have a religious relationship with the Holy Ghost. Don't have one with your spouse. Don't have one with your church members. Don't have one with anything else. It's not based on what they do or what they don't do. You're here to bring the best out of each and every person who's here. You find out their best and you draw that thing out of there and you pull it out of there and you encourage them and you tell them and you, if you need to correct them, you do it lovingly and you bring it out of the inside. Why? Because each and every one of us have a place to go and there's a lot more innocent than we've ever gotten out of us up to this point, I guarantee. We're not even close. I always say that the richest place in the whole world is a cemetery. That's because there's so much in there, so many gifts, so many, so much power, so many visions, so many dreams, so many things laying out there in that cemetery that never got birth, never came forth, never. But I want to be one in the cemetery that basically there's nothing left in there when I get there. Nothing but my bod. Because I've gotten everything out of there, the power, the spirit of God, the preachings, the teachings, everything that I needed to know, everything I needed, every life that I needed to touch, I want to be all done when I get there, praise God. Hallelujah. And how many know that's a happy funeral? Hallelujah. We weren't meant to stay here the whole time anyway, so let's just press into the Holy Spirit, be aware of the Holy Spirit, find out what we're supposed to do, do it, and get the heck out of here then. Praise God. That's all there is to it. Hallelujah. So you've got the Holy Ghost. Put your hands on your belly. Go ahead. Right there on your belly. Right down in there in your belly. Put it on there this morning. Right there he is. He's in there. He's on the inside of you. Right there he is. Your advantage is right there this morning. Your leading is right there this morning. Your guiding is right there this morning. Your power is right there on the inside of you this morning. It's right down deep in there, praise God. And it's desiring to flow out of the inside of you. It'll flow out in prophecy. It'll flow out in kindness. It'll flow out in love. It'll flow out in victory. It'll flow out in all these things on the inside of you by the Spirit of God. But you must be aware of His presence on the inside of you. The world can't receive Him because they can't see Him. 
And sometimes the church ignores him. You know why? Because they can't see him. But we walk by faith and not by sight. And the word of God says there's somebody on the inside of you that's going to bubble forth out of the inside of you. It will be a blessing to your daily. It'll be a blessing to your work. It'll be a blessing to your business. It'll be a blessing to your family. It'll be a blessing to your kids. It'll be a blessing to everybody around you if you just allow the Holy Ghost to have his place in your life. You've got an advantage this morning. Take it use of that advantage of the Spirit of God on the inside of you. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank God for not a gift, but the gift of the Holy Ghost on the inside. Holy Ghost, I just thank you this morning for your word. I thank you for once again making me more aware of you. And the congregation who are here, Father, I just thank you right now, Spirit of God, that you would lead and guide your people. I thank you that your voice would come up louder and louder so that we hear it and obey it quickly in each and every area of our life. We want to follow you in every single thing that you tell us to do, every direction you want us to do. Just continue to lead us and guide us to another level and another level. We want to get on the top of the zip line, praise God, not from the bottom and work our way up. And I thank you for it this morning that you're working right now in my heart and the heart of everybody here. I thank you for changing us and melting us and molding us and lining our thinking up with your kingdom. And I give you praise and glory for the work that you're doing right now and all day long and all day tomorrow and all day the day after that. And I pray, Father, that this, this would resonate in their hearts. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. For the Holy Ghost. Glory to God. All right. Praise God. Glory to God. All right. For listening. For more from Treasure Coast Victory Center, visit us at mytcbc.com.